Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning and good day. This is episode 105 of Reddit Readings, and it's going to be a banger because today we are jumping into r slash nuclear revenge, and these are always great. Don't forget, if you want ad-free listening and the exclusive bonus episodes, of which there is a brand shiny new one every week, head on over and sign up to our Patreon. There is already like four or five episodes over there, so don't miss out. Go jump in now and check those out. Anyway, on with today's episode. Ah, right. Let's have a look here. This one was posted by Effective Fix. 3235. I can tell from the title, this is going to be an absolute cracker. Never piss off a rich redneck. Oh boy, here we go. This is a story about my grandparents' friend. I was a young teen, but given the outcome, this story has stuck with me. I've sat on this story for a while, but it's so satisfying to see a gaggle of Karens taken down a notch. I figured I'd share. For the sake of this story, we'll call my grandparents' friend, William. Now, my grandparents knew William from way back. My grandmother knew him from school, and my grandfather met him after marrying my grandmother. Anyways, in the 60s, Grandma was a manager at the 7-Eleven. William led a crew that went there every day. It was the only gas station in a 30-minute radius, so everyone knew everyone in that sleepy, coastal town kind of way. Now, one day, William was doing a job down on the waterfront and slipped, fell, broke his back. While he was healing from the operation and was broke as a joke, my grandma would always make sure to send him something to eat that she'd pay for when the crew would come in and grab their snacks and gas up knowing William would simply skip the mill to save the money for his own family. My grandma also took him to several doctor's appointments since William couldn't drive for a while and his tiny little wife couldn't wrangle him into a car by herself. William never forgot that. Twenty years later, when he sold off his now very successful business and was a millionaire about 20 times over, he promptly told 90% of the world to go to hell but kept those that had always been there for him close. Meanwhile, he never moved from the house that he'd had since before he was rich. His only concessions to his wealth were trips with his wife to see the world and buying up quite a few acres of forested land around him. If you weren't his friend, you'd take him for every other blue-collar worker in town. There was absolutely nothing obvious to show that he was worth tens of millions of dollars. After his wife died in the 90s, William decided to take up a new hobby. As he lived outside of the city limits, he set up a sawmill and woodworking shop. Got all the proper permits and everything. The saws were in the big old enclosed building in the middle of all that land, so in all honesty, no harm, no foul, right? Wrong. The family that owned the forest behind William's land had just sold it to developers... Thus, the new luxury-gated neighborhood, the first in the area, was born. Enter a plethora of Chads and Karens, who were mostly from up north and had moved down south to take advantage of the better weather and the nearby beach. 
It didn't take long before they decided to take offense to his little business venture on the other side of the ten-foot wall of their neighborhood because it didn't fit with the image of the community. You know, the community he was decidedly not a part of. So, they sued him. Didn't even try to start a dialogue with him, just up and sued him. Well, William was livid. He was your typical coastal redneck, and he would be damned if those damned Yankees told him what to do on his own property. That was not within city limits, nor located in a HOA. William countered with professional noise studies that showed that some of the kids in that neighborhood drove vehicles that made more ambient noise than his little operation. Nope, the people in the neighborhood simply threw more money at the lawyers to continue on with the lawsuit. Essentially, their plan was to bleed him dry. Their lawyers, who were not locals, actually told Williams's lawyer that he should probably advise his client to close the shop so that he wouldn't end up bankrupt due to the resources being thrown at him from the homeowners. Due to the relatively modest surroundings of his home, the neighbors nor the lawyers had any idea the man was actually richer than just about all of them put together. All they saw was an older dude who drove a beat-up 80s model truck and wore Dickies jeans and work shirts and lived in what appeared to be a relatively modest home, especially compared to their McMansions. When Williams' lawyer told him about the conversation, William lost his fucking mind. I clearly remember him screeching into my parents' driveway in that old work truck, cursing up a storm and ranting and raving before he even got in the house. He came to our house? Why? Because my grandmother, bless her heart, was known as one of the most giving people in the world, unless you pissed her off. If you hurt her or someone she cared about, she became one of the most vindictive arseholes that could be found in that town. I'm not kidding when I say her ability for revenge served cold was legendary amongst the locals. So William had come to the house for a dose of her deviousness. Us kids weren't allowed inside during that conversation, but after he left that day, I later heard the adults talking about how he proceeded to hire quite a few private investigators to see if there would be any dirt to dig up on them. By them, I mean the dozens of people in that neighborhood that were a part of that lawsuit. Lo and behold, there was apparently copious amounts of dirt to be had. I still remember him positively crowing about it to my grandparents one fine summer day months later. That 60-something-year-old man was as gleeful as the proverbial kid on Christmas morning. And why? Because after he learned what his little private army dug up, he started making some phone calls to various acquaintances in high places. The ensuing fallout meant the lawsuit was dropped. There was quite a list of misdeeds that were discovered. But the ones I heard talked about by the adults that stick out are... There were more than a handful of individuals that owed back child support. William very helpfully had the private investigators provide the mothers with updated address and employment information so they could pursue their child support and garnishments if they wanted to. On top of that, the IRS became very interested in several of those people as well as other various neighbors. 
Finally, one household ended up in prison because the investigator realized they were actually drug dealers. The pictures of the transactions caught by the PIs were helpfully handed over to the sheriff's department. Drugs are bad, kids. Moral of the story. Never piss off a rich redneck. Well, 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 that was far less rednecky than I expected, but full nuclear revenge. I love it. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. So this one is from East Pianist 2731. I put my first job out of business after eight years working there. Okay. So I live in a relatively small city in North Carolina and started working at the young age of 14 as a dishwasher, soon working my way up through the restaurant over two years. Settle in because this is a long one, and I hope you enjoy it. The original owner of the restaurant slash bar, a 50-plus-year-old woman, had grown interest in selling the restaurant. After 10 years of great reviews, and honestly, it became the best place in town to go to. A younger male walked in one day through the kitchen door. In the start, I thought he was a new employee. Finding out later that night, he was the one interested in buying the restaurant, and the sale went smoothly. Fast forward a year, and the new owner, let's call him Herb, denied the only time I had ever asked for a raise. The $7.50 an hour I started on was not a living wage. He told me I didn't work hard enough. When I'd gone as far as to wait tables and cook as well as many of the clean-up maintenance jobs on top of my job of being the dishwasher. Thankfully for me, at the time, my manager, who had listened through the office door, called him out on the bullshit. She got me my raise. Nonetheless, a few months into it, Herb let several coolers which held meat break down and refused to fix them or get a new one. My nice manager couldn't take getting the backlash of always being blamed for things breaking down. Herb's the owner, it was his money, and he had to approve anything we did. 
So on the night we celebrated her 10th anniversary of working there, she ate the cake my sister and I made her. Then also proceeded to quit on the spot right after. The responsibility of management fell onto my sister, and she was forced to take the promotion with no raise or anything. She managed for nine months, only to feel unheard. For any issue she brought up with equipment or workers, she would always be told, No, we cannot do that. And after she had had enough trying to convince him on repairs, we were left without a manager for a period of time, and he was forced to drive the three hours to come and manage the restaurant himself. A few weeks later, a new manager was hired, and another man was hired to be my help in the kitchen. And me being the head cook at this point in time, I taught him the ups and downs of the kitchen. And this man, he was kind and caring at first. But he kissed ass so much that I was overlooked for the kitchen manager position. The guy I loved to watch football with in the kitchen on my phone using my speaker on the slow Sundays changed into a brutal asshat. He would curse at the waitresses and try to physically fight me on the daily. He and I were there to open the kitchen alone and would be joined by waiting staff an hour later. He went as far as to buck up and try to fight one of the waitresses one day. When she mentioned she'd heard everything he said to me before she walked in, I'm done with your shit. You can either apologize or you can get the fuck out. OP's been here a lot longer than you and you were trained by him. And yet you think you can disrespect him? Hell nah! As the man raised his hand to try and smack her, I punched him in his face and, in return, got slammed into the already broken coolers. You don't hit a woman. Ever. Fast forward a few months later and everyone sees this side of him and they realize I wasn't playing about him being a grade-A dick. Many of us had tried to tell Herb about his actions but were met with, I can't be that bad, he's so nice. Finally, after not being heard or listened to for so long, I began planning how to quit. I had it all planned out. And when we had the meeting, I walked in in a suit, already having found a place with, at least that time, my fiancé and a new job far from home. Everyone knew I was overdressed and had questions, and I filled them in about the walkout plan. Yet the mean manager was nowhere in sight. After enjoying the meeting and being called on for my opinions on how to boost sales and better the restaurant, I looked at Herb and answered sarcastically, Oh, me? Now you want to hear what I have to say? Getting in a serious tone now, I stand up and told him, Why would I help a business, much less the owner of this business, better themselves when I've been blown off for months? Anything I had to tell you, I was bullied for months when I mentioned it. I was brushed off. Have a great fucking day, Herb, because you quite literally don't have a cook now. Today is moving day and I'm moving over four hours away to a better job. One with an owner who will listen and respect their workers and not force us to try and cook green slimy chicken past its expiration date. I quit. He begged me to stay because he had finally fired the mean manager. He said, is there any way I can get you to stay? I looked at him and repeated the words he always told us when we mentioned equipment needed repairing or replacing. In his exact customer support accent, No, 
We can't do that. As I walked out, he followed, begging me to stay, and said he finally did what was needed of him. I simply told him, too little, way too late, and proceeded to walk out. And what followed was all the co-workers on my side stood up and left too. This is not where it ends. He had purposefully not given me my W-2 forms for taxes, and after a few days of harassing him for my tax papers, I got them. Then, I received a letter from the IRS, saying there was a problem with my tax forms, therefore I couldn't receive my tax refund. Calling up the IRS, I found he had not submitted any of the forms he was supposed to as our employer, and when contacting him to rectify the situation, he proceeded to say, Hmm, I don't recall employing any of you this year. After all, you all left with no reason or right. Little did he know, I record every conversation on my phone, and I reported him to the IRS. Attached to the email, I sent in the voice recording in an MP3 format. I also sent in photocopies of my check stubs, the copies of my W-2s, along with informing my co-workers having issues with their taxes to do the same. Herb has since lost his business, his business license. His wife left him and took their kids after finding out about the fraud. Herb is now facing upwards to 60 years in prison for multiple counts of tax fraud. It turns out we were not the only business he owned and refused to pay taxes on or file the correct tax forms when needed. He had withheld the safety precaution pay during COVID and used all of it to fix the restaurant. He fucked up, and I get to sit back happily typing this with a smile across my face, knowing that this dickhead got what was coming to him. And for all of you wondering whether I ever got my taxes and my money, yes, I finally did, as of yesterday. Thanks for listening to my life story, guys. Yeah, uh, nothing like a mediocre promotion to supervisor to really bring the arse out of a person. Hmm. Next one's from Throw It Away. I assume this is a throwaway account. That's good. That means this will be good. Try to assault me over petty shit. Enjoy prison and losing your family. Some backstory. This began before COVID kicked off and has only recently ended. So my uncle was over at my house for my birthday. Both of us are gun owners. I compete in competition and he's just the kind of guy to go to the range once a month. We had gone shooting the previous day and only bought out a few guns because we had some technical stuff to work on with a few guns, so it wasn't really a trip just to shoot. My uncle surprised me on the trip with some tannerite, which is an explosive you set off by shooting it. So we ended up blowing some shit up while we were out there, but saving most of it for the next day. The next day, we were packing up to actually go out shooting for real instead of spending the day tinkering, and my uncle asked me to bring one of my guns that has a very expensive and hard-to-find ammo for him to shoot a bit. I told him I only had about 20 rounds for it, and I'd like to save them for another day since I don't know if I'd be able to find more. Here's where things start falling apart. My uncle is known to be a bit scummy and a hothead, so he snapped and tried guilting me into bringing the gun, telling me I owe him for the tannerite. I told him I didn't realize I'd have to pay him back for a gift, 
And if that was the case, he could just have the remaining Tannerite, then walk back to my room and started putting away all my guns, since I could tell this was pretty much going to ruin the day. This made him lose his absolute shit and started yelling and stomping about me being an ungrateful piece of shit and how he should kick my ass to teach me a lesson. At this point, I tell him to get the fuck out of my house if he's going to threaten me and he charges up the stairs at me. My uncle is a very large and fit man, so I grab the bear spray out of my shooting bag. The shooting range we use is in the middle of nowhere and I pointed it at him. My uncle has been maced before, so he quickly backed down and left, damaging my door on the way out. I just went about my day after this, packing up most of the guns but loading a couple into the car because I plan to still head to the range as not to let him ruin my fun. As I'm packing up the car, a couple of police cars roll up, and they start shouting at me to get on the ground and they put me in handcuffs. I pretty quickly found out they were there because my uncle called them and said I pointed a weapon at him and mentioned my guns. I ended up having to show the police the footage from my security camera before they'd let me go. After that day, I fully cut ties with my uncle and just moved on with my life. But I came to find out that he was talking shit about me to family members, which is when I started plotting my revenge. I knew my uncle illegally stored his restricted guns, and I knew he spent quite a bit of money on them. But I also knew the cops probably wouldn't bother, since I had no proof. I found out that my uncle had been shooting all the animals in his yard where he lives in the city, from my grandma, who he brags and sends pictures to. One of the animals he shot is an endangered species, and I knew my grandma's phone had the picture on it, so I eventually snuck onto my grandma's phone and sent that picture and all the incriminating pictures, including ones of illegal guns, and reported it anonymously to the police. Today, my uncle got arrested. Fish and game seized, his cars and his guns. His wife has pretty much left him since the police raid traumatized her and the kids and all of his gun friends have gone off-grid, so he has no support. Court date and charges, unknown, but from my research, he's looking at a really long sentence. I feel absolutely no remorse, because I've always said I don't think him having access to firearms was safe, since he can be violent and, you know, he's overall a shit person. Right, guys, thank you very much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sorry I sound a little bit wonky. I've been a little bit ill recently, but don't worry. All the other episodes that are coming out sound great. If you want to hear the bonus episodes, they're already over there on Patreon. Go and check it out. There'll be a link down below. Thank you, guys. I'll see you in the next one. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do, too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true... We are here to tell you that they probably aren't, but that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesisters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.